In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the month of Misra, and we read in the Gospel the parable of the wicked vine dressers, which is a parable that the Lord gave to the Pharisees to explain to them how they have behaved, how the, Jew the Jewish people have behaved throughout history, how God has prepared for them everything and given them the promised land, given them a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and offered them every promise and given them every good thing. And yet the people have been continually disobedient um, and rejecting the prophets and then ultimately rejecting um, his own son. So I want to go over the parable and um, kind of talk a little bit about some of the, the things that, that we might learn. There's three main things really for us to, to get out of this parable. The first is, what is the magnitude of our sin? And the reason this is important, especially for the Pharisees at the time, is because they believed that they were the chosen people of God. They were the ones who had received the covenant. They're the ones who have the, the sign of circumcision, which shows that they are the people of God. And so they considered themselves to be above reproach, and that there was nothing that they could do to be rejected by God as his people. And even though God had given them uh, many examples previously, uh, of how he was rejecting his people by sending them into exile, by bringing enemies upon them, by doing all these things. The Pharisees still have this mindset that we are the chosen people of God and nothing we do is going to, um, is going to compromise our status. So the first point that we learn from this parable is really how much they have sinned, how much they have done against God, and also, of course, to apply it to ourselves how much we um, sin against God. The second is the magnitude of God's love and patience for us because we see throughout the parable and throughout all of the Old Testament and, and uh, culminating in the incarnation and the resurrection and the New Testament of despite the fact that the people were so sinful and fighting against God and rejecting him and being disobedient to him, how God was so patient with them, sending them prophet after prophet after prophet and ultimately his own son so they could be saved and they could be redeemed. So this is the second thing we learn from the parable is even though the people were unworthy and even though the people were rejecting God, God yet continued to love them. The third thing we learn from this parable is the consequence of sin. That after a certain amount of time, after a certain, uh, after God has, given, has shown so much mercy and compassion and patience with all of the people, there is ultimately a consequence. There is ultimately uh, going to be a destruction that happens because of the sin that goes unrepented um, in our lives. So those are the three main reasons, the three main lessons that we can learn from this. So how does the parable begin? It says that there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. I'm, I'm quoting here the, the scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, but we read the version from the Gospel of St. Luke today. So this landowner in this parable, um, what are all the things that he did? It says that he planted uh, the vineyard. He set a hedge around it in order to delineate it and protect it and guard it from intruders. Um, he dug a wine press in it and he built a tower. All of these things, who is it that did this? The owner of the vineyard. The owner, the vineyard owner, um, he, he's preparing the vineyard and then he is hiring these vine dressers to take care of what he has made. Um, everything that he has made. But if you, if you look, really, the owner is the one who did all of the work, right? Everything left for the, the vine dressers to do is just to maintain it. The vine dressers were not called to create the vineyard. They were not called to 
um, to, to protect it by putting the hedge around it or to, to create anything in it. Um, the, the, the vine dresser created everything. Or the, sorry, the, the vineyard owner created everything and the vine dressers were there just to maintain what is it that God had done. St. John Chrysostom speaks about this and he said, he left little for them to do. All they had to do was take care of what was there and to preserve what was given to them. Right, so, so even in our own lives, when we say, what is it that God has given us? Like God has made us to be stewards, meaning what? He has given us everything. He's given us everything. And then he's just said, take care of what I've given you. Take care of the, the things that I have given you, whether that be your bodies, whether that be your relationships, whether that be your physical possessions, the earth itself. When, when, when God created the earth and he finished creating all of the creation, um, he put Adam and Eve in the garden and he told them to, to, that they have authority over the earth, to take care of the earth. So Adam and Eve, of course, did not create the earth, right? They could not have done so. But God gave them the, the stewardship in order to take care. And this is what here in this parable, what we see. The, the message here that Christ is giving to the people is you did not create anything. You did not create yourselves. You are not deserving of anything. I gave it to you completely for free. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do something in order to earn it. I gave it to you completely only out of my love for you. And the, so the, the, the vineyard owner, he is the one who did um, most of the work. Then it says, after a period of time where the vine dressers are uh, in, the, in the vineyard and they should be faithful and working and doing the job that they've been given, right? The, the, the vine dressers were not put in the garden to have a vacation, right? They were not put there to just enjoy their time and relax and benefit from the fruits of the, of the, uh, of the vineyard just for themselves. But they were told to work. They said, okay, I've given you the benefit of, 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 of living here and to serve here. So be responsible and do, do the work. So when it came time for the harvest, um, the, the, the vineyard owner is naturally, because it's his own vineyard, he is going to be interested in the harvest and wanting to take of the fruit of the harvest. So it says uh, here, it says, now when vintage time drew near, that he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive his fruit. Okay, so... So who are these servants, right? So the vineyard, uh, the, 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 the owner is somewhere far away. And so he is sending these servants of his to his vineyard so that they could get from the vine dressers the fruit that was due to him. Um, there are a lot of parallels with this parable uh, to the parable of the talents because the parable of the talents also um, the, 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 the owner or the master, he gave his servants some of his, his talents and he told them, go work with the talents and when I come and return, you will give me of the interest that has been um, accrued of the talents that you have, give, that, that you have earned. So here also, the, the vineyard owner is sending these servants in order for them to receive from the vine dressers this fruit, this harvest. Okay, um, But then what happened? The servants that were sent by the owner were rejected, it says, and the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And now we can ask, why is it that they would do this? You know, why is it that they would do this? If they have, if they felt in their heart thanksgiving and, and gratefulness and a sense of respect for this owner and a sense of duty that we are employees, like we are, we are working here for a wage, um, we have been granted um, to work here and we are receiving compensation for what we are doing, right? Um, we do not own this vineyard, 
right? It belongs to the owner. So when the servants are sent, um, we should be, of course, naturally giving them what is rightfully due to the vineyard owner. But the, the, the actions here indicate what? That these vine dressers believed that this vineyard belonged to them. It belonged to them. Meaning, I can choose to do whatever it is that I want with this because I currently have control over it. And maybe this is the perfect analogy of how to explain our world today is that God created the world and he set it in motion and he told us the principles that we should live by and everything we should be doing in it. He told us what is right, what is wrong. And he said, go live your life and you choose for yourself and your own free will. How is it that you will live? But what is it that the people did? The people said, no, this is our planet. This is our earth. These are our bodies. These, this is my life. And, and I reject any attempts by God to intervene. Anyone who is coming to me from God, who is telling me how I should live, what God wants me to do, how do we serve God, everything about what God has done, maybe I reject it. And I say, no, this is mine. I, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to submit to you. I'm not going to give you of what is mine because it belongs to me. Um, and of course, this is uh, a very wrong attitude, but this is what here these servants are feeling. Um, the vine dressers ultimately were unproductive because whatever work that they did, they benefited it of, their, of themselves. They benefited for themselves only and they took what was, didn't belong to them. Um, and, and St. John Chrysostom said, nothing was left undone but all accomplished, but they made little effort to be productive even after they had enjoyed such great blessings from him. Like when we receive um, all of the gifts, when, when we speak about the gifts of the Spirit, God grants us gifts, and these gifts are not just for our own purpose, are not just for use of ourselves, uh, by ourselves, for ourselves, but God is, gr is granting us these gifts to edify the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Lord speaks about all of these gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts of the Spirit are not given just for the personal edification of each individual for their own purpose, but for how we serve the body as one serving one another. The eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, every part of the body is not intended for itself. For instance, the hand, um, of course, is used to pick up things and to hold things. Who is it that benefits from the hand? Is it just the hand? Is it, is it only the hand that benefits from picking up things? No, it's the whole body benefits, right? The feet, right? We walk with the feet. Um, is it just the feet that benefit from walking? No, the whole body benefits from walking. And this is the analogy that the Lord gave, that all of us are intertwined, that we are united together as one body and we are all called to serve one another and he gives us gifts for that purpose so here these servants they said whatever gifts the lord gave us no we are we are not going to do anything with them and we're going to simply keep it for um, ourselves so the vine dressers are wicked um, it is not just that they are lazy um, but they actually are, are wicked um, it's not just that they didn't want to work is that they actually stole what was not theirs. Um, it says in verse 34 here, Therefore, indeed, I sent you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. So here, the Lord is making the analogy. Who are these servants that are being sent to take of the fruit of the harvest? These are the prophets. These are the people throughout history that the Lord has sent to his people when he saw them going astray to correct them, to rebuke them, to guide them. And ultimately, all of these prophets were rejected because ultimately um, the people rejected God and they were exiled as a result. So whatever prophets that God had sent to the people, they were not listened to. And so again, 
Christ here is, is, is making all of the people aware and the Pharisees aware that this is what you have done, what you have done throughout history, what the Jewish people have done throughout history is rejected the prophets of God, just like the people in this parable. And the thing with the parables that's really um, powerful is that we can relate to the parables um, and we can even, and, and we, we'll see that here actually in this parable, after the Lord explains the parable, um, he will ask the question, what do you think should be done to these people? And, and looking objectively at the story, anyone with any sense of justice would say, no, what these um, vine dressers did was wicked. They should be destroyed. They should be punished, right? But then when he makes the connection and he says, you are the vine dressers, just like when Nathan the prophet was rebuking King David, he told them the story uh, about this man who, who uh, this rich man stole his sheep uh, and the only sheep that he had and he gave him the story and then he told King David, what do you think? And he said, no, this man is a wicked man. And then what is it that Nathan said? You are the man. You are the man. Like, like in the sudden dramatic ending of the story, you are the man. You, what you consider to be unjust, actually you have done the same, right? So it's easy for us to sometimes look at these stories that we are not a part of and to look at them objectively. It's easy for us to condemn criminals um, who have committed crimes uh, because uh, they're not us. Um, we, we look at the story and we say, oh, look, this person did something wrong. They should be punished. It's easy to do that. It's easy to punish people. It's easy to look at children that have done something wrong and say, oh, they deserve punishment. Okay? But when I am the, uh, when I am the, um, the culprit, when I am the one who is falling, when I am the criminal, when I am the sinner, when I am the one doing all of that, it's much easier for us to simply excuse our behavior and to say, no, it's not me, right? You know, we are, we, we are, never, um, we, we, we are never considered the villains of our own story. We are never considered to be the bad guys. We are always the good guys, right? I am always the good guy. Someone else is the bad guy. And even when I fall, it's because someone else made me to fall not because I fell of my own. Um, and so this is what the Jewish people were doing. And this is what Christ wanted to illuminate and to illustrate in them. Um, however, what was then the response of the landowner? So at this point, um, reasonable people would agree that the landowner was being very patient, um, maybe excessively patient. Maybe none of us would even have reached this point of patience, that if you send someone to go and collect what is yours and they kill them and they stone them, um, we would have no more patience with them, right? But the Lord had patience. The Lord had more patience. He said what? Then last of all, he sent his son to them saying they will respect my son. Um, why would the, the landowner, why would he put his son in such danger if he did not care so much about these vine dressers. Um, you know, the, 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 the landowner here, he could have found some other means to take of his fruit. But what he cared about is the cooperation of the vine dressers. When we speak about salvation, when the Lord is offering us salvation, he wants us. Like he doesn't want what we produce. He wants us. He wants me to be in his kingdom. He's not just caring about the work that I do. He's not caring about the product that I create because actually those things are irrelevant to him. He doesn't need any of those things. The only thing that matters to him is me, right? Only me. He wants me as a son or as a daughter. He wants me. So he wants me to participate with him and to serve him and to work with him, not because the, the effect of what I do is like so unique and special, 
that there would have been no other person and no other way for it to be accomplished without me. But no, it's because he wants me. He wants the vine dressers. He wants the vine dressers to be in his kingdom. He wants them to work with him, right? He wants to win them so that they would have salvation. And so he said, I'm going to be even extra patient with them and I'm going to send them my own son and surely they will um, respect my son. And of course, in the parable, we know that the son is the son of God. This is the Messiah. Um, who came after all the prophets, after the, all the prophets were rejected, he said, I will send my son. Um, I will not condemn them. I will send my son. Surely they will listen to him. Um, and, and we read about the patience of the Lord in Second Peter chapter 3, where it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting for us. This is why, actually, Whenever we have enemies, people who are bothering us, harassing us, um, and we cry out to God and we say, God, why are you not bringing me justice? Um, why is it taking so long? Well, maybe the answer is because God wants their salvation. He doesn't want their destruction. He wants us to also want the salvation of even our enemies. So they reject the son. Okay, the son comes, they reject the son. They took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him, right? And um, what's interesting is... They did this thinking that the vineyard would then become theirs. We will kill the heir, right? We will kill the heir, we will kill the son, and now the vineyard will become mine. Because again, this is what they believed from the beginning. This is my vineyard. I've been placed here, um, and I don't see myself as you know grateful or that this is a blessing from God or that I received it from him. No, I own it, it's mine, right? So when, when I kill the son, they kill the heir of this vineyard, then eventually the vineyard, no one, there will be no owner of the vineyard and the vineyard will become mine. And they're, also, they're still already acting as though the vineyard um, is theirs. So what then happens? Um, whenever at this point, when, when, when he's telling this parable, the Pharisees, uh, are, he, he presents them with this scenario and he says, what should be done? And of course, the Pharisees say these people should be rejected. They should be punished for what is it that they've done. They haven't yet connected in their mind that this parable is actually talking about them, that they are the vine dressers. They, haven't un they didn't understand it yet, what he was saying. Why are you saying this parable? So they, they said, yeah, these, these people should be punished and, and, and cast out and rejected for what they did. So then um, the Lord said to them, Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So just as you, the Jewish vine dressers, have rejected the work of the prophets, have rejected the work of the Messiah, have continually fought against God and rejected him, and you believe that you are the people of God for eternity and that nothing will ever change that, he's saying because you have acted like these vine dressers, what will happen to you? Well, you will be rejected. And, what, and, and, and the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit. Which means what? Which means the Gentiles. Like all throughout history, the Jewish people were the people of God. And, and, and the Gentiles were considered to be like the rejects. They were the ones that God told them, don't touch them, don't marry with them, don't, don't go eat with them, don't do anything with them, stay away from them. Um, salvation is of the Jews. Okay? Um, but so the, the, the Jewish mind, the, the Jewish person, um, believed that there is nothing that they could do to um, forfeit their status as the sons and daughters of God. Um, and, and, and this was the problem here with the Pharisees. But Christ said, no, 
says, no, no, now the kingdom of God, because you have rejected the son, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and will be given to the Gentiles. And today, of course, when we think about the Christian church, the Christian church is almost 100% Gentiles. Um, very, very few Jewish people um, who are Christians today um, compared to the number of Gentiles that are Christians today. So the church spread and through the evangelism of the apostles spread to all of the world and who then inherited all the promises that God had prepared originally for the Jews it became all of the Gentiles and this is exactly here what Christ is saying and so the people were rejected the, the, the people were rejected in the end so as I said the three lessons that we learn from this parable the first is the magnitude of sin what is it that the people had been falling into and committing sin all throughout history the Jewish people who believe themselves to be good people of God they had been falling and sinning against God and rejecting him and worshiping idols and, and doing all these things and they took for granted the fact that they would forever be the children of God and this is a lesson also for us especially those who have been in the church for a long long time that we believe that nothing can change our status nothing can change us that we are immune from falling because I have been in the church for five years ten years twenty years thirty years that nothing can ever happen to make me to fall away and we become complacent and we begin to feel like I don't need to be serious in my prayer life I don't need to be serious in my Bible reading I don't need to be serious in my service I don't really need to be serious at all because I'm just like I'm already in and nothing can change that but we only need to look at the example here of the Jewish people or maybe other examples like someone like Judas for instance who was um, an apostle for three years with the rest of the apostles and he was a miracle worker and in the end he lost his salvation so the magnitude of sin what is it that, that the people are doing they're rejecting God himself the second is the magnitude of God's love meaning it is not at the first sign of weakness or sin or falling that we are destroyed that God comes and destroys us that he rejects us completely but he is patient with us because of his love for us he doesn't want us to fall he doesn't want us to perish and so he keeps calling us time and time and time and time prophet after prophet lesson after lesson uh, the Holy Spirit convicting us the Holy Spirit trying to get our attention um, trying to bring us back again and whenever we feel the prick of our consciences whenever we are going astray or falling into sin this is the voice of God calling us back and saying come back to me come back to me but if after having rejected the voice of God for such a long time and our time has ended and there is no more opportunity for repentance then that's when we hear the third lesson that we learn from this parable and that is the consequence that there is a consequence and the consequence is not just the consequence that happens at the end um, the consequences happen throughout even a person who is is repenting the person who is repenting doesn't mean that they're immune from the consequences of their sin you know a person who maybe becomes addicted to drugs and then repents and changes there's still a scar and a wound that's left um, a person who has let's say a problem with their temper and they lose many relationships because of the temper that they have and the way they become very angry with people and then later they repent and they change that's great but is that going to heal every relationship that they've ever broken because of their temper maybe not so there are wounds and scars that we experience through the sins that we commit and God wants us to be free from them and God does not want us to pay the, the, the price and so this is what this parable was about 
parable is about the sin of the people, the mercy of God, and ultimately the consequences when people do not turn back to him. So may God grant us to learn these lessons and apply them in our lives. And glory be to God forever. Amen.